Welcome to the Beam Yoga Podcast. My name is Julian Hankins. Today, we're going to be discussing a particular yoga theme. Join me today with our yoga teacher. Marissa has been a lifelong student of yoga already, and she's only in her mid-20s. Please join me in today's episode for her discussion on breath and how to incorporate that into your class. Hi, Marissa. Hey, Julianne. Let's go ahead with the Beam Yoga Podcast. Awesome. Sounds perfect. All right. So where are you today? Uh, Today, I am in Dallas, Texas. I was born and raised in Carrollton. And you are teaching now around the area. And I saw in your notes that you have been practicing since you were about 11 or 12 years old. Yes, I started practicing with my parents first. Uh, They had practiced for mostly physical reasons, um, for physical health and strength. Uh, So I would do a couple of yoga videos with them and eventually picked up and started doing my own little DVDs in my room. And it just kind of blossomed from there. So were you, you were practicing with them and then you kind of went out on your own as well, just out of your own personal desire and um, interest in yoga? Yeah, uh, we had these little uh, yoga DVDs. Um, They were like old 90s Gaim yoga DVDs with, um, I think if I remember correctly, the guy's name is Rodney uh, Yee or Lee. Uh, He was practicing yoga on a beach in like a a little Speedo looking real awesome. (laughs) So uh, I had practiced those with my dad and um, had stolen a few DVDs from his collection and kind of went upstairs and started my own practice, uh, which started physical mostly. And then uh, as I grew into it and learned more about the different forms of yoga, I started incorporating the spiritual aspect in. Well, that's so great. I think that's really unique that someone... um, you know, has been practicing already for 15 years when they're, you know, in their mid-20s. And so you've had many years of practice, and now you're finally teaching others and sharing that with others. So real quick, I'll share a background about how I met Marissa. We were in the same training together at Summit Climbing Yoga and Fitness in our YTT 200 hour and she was such a beautiful light in our in our class and shared so much knowledge and was always ready to participate and ready to be an example or because she did know her poses and so it was a really nice to have you in class to be able to learn from you and to share ideas with you. Yeah, it had actually never really crossed my mind to do a teacher training. I always thought that I was going to remain a student for most of my yoga experience and that I had spent so long as a student, I didn't really know how I would get ready to get myself in a position to where I felt like I could teach others. 
and going through the yoga teacher training with you at summit was one of the most incredible things I had had a couple of really big transformative things happen in my life at the beginning of that year. And it just kind of put me in this position to where I was like, yeah, it's, you know, the perfect time to go through this and share this passion with other people. And it really just kind of uh, came to a point in my life where the universe was like, yeah, you're, you're ready. Go for it. Do it. (laughs) Yeah. And there's always that, you know, one moment where, you're not ready for so long and then all of a sudden something clicks or there's a spark, um, a spark in your interest and everything falls into place and you're just ready to go and you get to go through this whole amazing journey with, you know, five to ten other people, however many people are in your yoga training and y'all are all going through different but a similar thing at the same time. Oh, absolutely. It was the most incredible thing to get to know people that you you show up on the first day and you're kind of apprehensive. You don't really know anyone and you exchange the hellos. And it's amazing how at the end of that eight weeks, you get to know those people so well that they become your best friends and you get to see them kind of go off and do their own thing in the world. And it's absolutely incredible. Uh, Marina just moved to Hawaii. So it's really awesome to see these people kind of blossom and, take up their roots in the world it's wonderful yeah definitely and it's nice to stay connected or you know you just you always feel um that you went through something with that person and um, you'll be able to always share those memories and have that same connection yeah absolutely I always tell people that uh yoga teacher training is probably one of the most transformative things I think I've ever done in my life it really teaches you to sit down and sit with yourself and be able to listen to your body and your mind in different ways. And it teaches you how to interact with the world around you. That's really a wonderful way. So that's something that I really, really love about teaching yoga. And since you've been teaching for a bit now, what is one of the yoga themes that you'd like to share today? One of my favorite themes to teach is uh, the breath or pranayama. It's one of the limbs of yoga. It's the fourth limb of yoga um, out of all of the eight. um, Pantanjali had put together a book kind of called the Yoga Sutras, and it outlines a lot of the different ways that we interact with the world through our yoga practice and how many different elements there are to the yoga practice other than just the asana or physical practice. Um, So the eight limbs uh, translates to ashtanga, asht meaning eight and then anga meaning limb. So pranayama is just one of those eight um, and asana, the physical practice being another one. So bringing the breath practice into the room when I teach is one of my ways to kind of open up and elevate the student's practice from that third limb of yoga asana to the fourth limb of pranayama. That's such a deep explanation and um, such a great background on, on breath and like where it comes from what are your favorite ways to incorporate breath into your classes? I really like incorporating it to kind of empower the students. Um, 
being able to get in touch with their breath uh, is so important, especially when you're using all of these poses that engage so many muscles that it's hard to get that expansion through the rib cage and get all of the oxygen flowing through the body. So it's very easy to forget to breathe in some of these more advanced poses or difficult poses where you're using a lot of your different muscle groups. Um, specifically since the beginning of the year, I've really been asking my students to kind of take a quiet moment. Normally we're in child's pose or a really nice surrender pose, like a lizard lunge or a pigeon. I'll ask them to kind of bow their heads, get in touch with their breath, and maybe think about a few intentions that they've thought about for the year. And it doesn't have to be anything concrete or solid to where they feel like they're setting up like uh, a barrier for themselves or putting themselves in a little box. Um, one of mine that I've been sharing a lot with my students is that this year I'm just trying to be a little bit nicer to myself. So even on your yoga mat, you can kind of get frustrated with your practice and coming back to the breath, closing the eyes and just remembering that having this time on your mat is going to uh, bring the practice into your life in such a way that you can blossom and uh, learn all of these different things about yourself on the way. And it's a really wonderful way to get the students to kind of focus on themselves whenever they're practicing or having a difficult practice or they have things going on in their life that's really, really hard to let go of. So it's a really excellent way to get them to kind of come to their mats and come to the present moment. Yeah, I think that's one of the most important things is just encouraging them to come to the present moment and connecting back to that breath because that is the most important aspect of your yoga practice is just being able to breathe, control your breath and um, breathe with your movements. Absolutely. Uh, and sometimes I'll even take it a step further um, instead of asking them to kind of quiet their mind, we'll actually do breathing exercises to where they're actually focusing so much on the breath that you can't really think about much else. So you clear the mind, focus on the breath, and you have all of these different elements of the pranayama that you can bring together. And it increases health and longevity. Uh, prana literally translates to life force and then yama meaning extension. So a lot of the yogic monks thought that this could really extend your entire life. You're using your diaphragm a lot. You're getting the oxygen into all of your muscles, providing a lot of nutrient where we don't get it most. So it's divided into these four different areas. You've got the puraka, which is the inhale, the abhyantara kumbhaka, which is a mindful pause after the inhale. So you'll hold the inhale for a little bit. There's the rechaka, which is the exhalation. And once you try and kind of extend those inhales and exhales, and then you have the bayaha kumbhaka, which is the mindful pause after the exhaling. So sometimes I'll actually sit with my students and count their breaths down each breath cycle, kind of extending the inhales, the exhales, eventually adding the pauses in and extending those when we're trying to control that diaphragm uh, and use the breath in such a way that it's not automatic, you know, forcing the diaphragm, tell it where to go whenever we count these breaths down. It's really, really powerful to take that automatic part of our brain and kind of shut it off and take control of it for a little while. So it's very, very empowering. Mm -hmm. 
And do you have everyone breathe together in sequence or do you have them breathe on their own and just kind of guide them through? It kind of depends on which uh, exercise I'm doing. If I'm doing a counted breath, we'll normally kind of do it all together. I'll make them do a really big exhale, kind of whenever it fits into their breathing pattern, big inhales, try and get them on the same pace of breath before we start counting them down. Uh, If we're doing something a little bit like the uh, three-part breath, which I love doing in yin or meditative practices, you just kind of place one hand on the belly and one on the heart. You start by inflating the belly, then going through the solar plexus and then ending in raising the clavicles, being the last ones to uh, rise up with the breath. So that one they can kind of do on their own and I'll kind of coach them what they want to feel during the inhales and exhales and they have the freedom to use the breath however they'd like. Um, Another one that allows them the freedom to do that and probably the most common one that I reference in class is the Ujjayi Pranayama, um, also the victorious breath. Uh, which is where they kind of contract the back of the throat a little bit. So it makes this nice, audible kind of ocean wave sound whenever they breathe. And it really creates a lot of heat whenever they're moving through their asana practice. So when we're doing vinyasas, or even if you're holding a static pose like triangle for a long time, it's really important to be able to have all of that oxygen flow coming in that we're warming it and heating the muscles whenever we're practicing so that we can really achieve the stretch that we're looking for in yoga. Yeah, that's a really great example and one of my favorites to use as well. I know that you like to use the alternate nostril breathing and the breath of fire. Would you like to explain those as well as other alternative examples? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The breath of fire is one of my favorites, especially when we're getting ready For Shavasana, if we've had a very intense practice, a lot of my practices that I do with my students include a lot of core work, breath work, and um, we sweat quite a bit whenever we're working. So to quiet the mind down and get ready for Shavasana, we'll do the quick breath of fire where we're contracting the abs, really forcing all of that air out of the lungs very, very fast in succession. We do probably about 10 to 15 rounds, just depending on how much work that we've done that day. You don't want to overwork the breath of fire too much because we can get just a little bit lightheaded. But um, whenever we use it, when we contract and let all of that air out, we're pushing all of our muscles in and kind of smooshing everything towards the midline continually. And then... After we're done, you let out one big exhale after you've done all of that contracting with the abs and the diaphragm, and then just kind of let it all lay down for Shavasana. And you almost get this kind of tingly feeling throughout the body. You have all of this energy rushing around because we just brought all of that good oxygen into the body. So it's still moving really, really fast through the blood, trying to get to the extremities. And it's a really wonderful sensation whenever you quiet down the mind and you're trying to prepare to lay down and just feel that ultimate reward after practicing yoga for Shavasana. The the alternate nostril breathing or uh, Nadi Shadana is one of my favorites, especially if I'm trying to quiet down for meditation. 
Um, I normally do it uh, seated, uh, just kind of comfortably seated, either, you know, crisscross applesauce or just stacking the legs. Um, and the Nadi of Nadi Shadana means the flow or channel. And then Shadana is the cleansing. So it's thought of as like this very cleansing breath. It's supposed to go through the entire body in this big circle. So we inhale through one nostril while we're closing the other one down. And then we close off the other one, take our hands off and exhale through the other nostril. While we keep the hands there, we then inhale through that same nostril, close that one off and move over to the other one where we exhale. So you do an exhale and inhale on the same side and then you switch and you'll do the exhale and inhale on the other side. So the thought of this one is that we have these different channels going through our nostrils, down into our body, through the sinuses that we can cleanse. Uh, we can send it all the way through the chakras down to the root uh, when we feel that expansion all the way through the belly whenever we get the breath done. I love doing about a couple more, 15 to 20 rounds of that one normally before I kind of quiet down for meditation. I'll do maybe a few three-part breaths before I can quiet my mind completely. But that one really offers that beautiful cleansing feeling through the upper body when you're sitting down. You can feel all the way down to the pelvis, into the root, and then all the way back up to the crown. It's a really incredible feeling. Thank you for sharing those. I think it's a great, um, it's really useful to hear of all the different examples. And just to recap the ones that we were talking about, the three-part breath, the ujjayi breathing, the breath of fire and alternate nostril breathing or Nadi Shadana. And so thank you for sharing all of your experience and your knowledge about those types of breathing that you can practice during class and use in your own practice as well when you're just practicing at home. Absolutely. Yes. It's incredible whenever we control the breath, how many different areas of the yoga practice that we can access. Um, so bringing pranayama into the into the room is how I elevate from that third limb of asana to the fourth limb of pranayama. And then moving even further past that, I can ask the students to close down their eyes, which kind of focuses in that pratyahara, which is the... Um, the next limb of yoga where we withdraw the senses and kind of look inward it makes it easier for us to concentrate and when it makes it easier for them to focus we can then achieve dharana and we're just moving up and up those yoga limbs and then we can achieve dhyana which is meditation so through all of this we can bring four of the eight limbs of yoga into the class and let them kind of meditate on that, which is wonderful. So we have asana, which is the physical practice, which has all of the poses. Pranayama, which is one of my favorites to bring into the classroom, which incorporates all of the breath work and breathing techniques. Um, pratyahara, which is the fifth limb, which is the withdrawal of those senses, closing the eyes down, kind of turning the gaze inward, thinking to yourself which prepares us for dharana, the sixth limb, which is that intense concentration that prepares us for meditation or dhyana, the seventh limb. So it's incredible how many different limbs that we can 
get into the classroom just by incorporating those few different things. And the students don't even really realize that I'm kind of tricking them into practicing all of these different yoga techniques. Yeah, and they don't even know that they're doing that yet, which is, um, it's nice, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to think about it too much, and you're just being guided into it. Um, are there specific yeah. poses that you like to pair with um, with these types of breathing, um, if it's something other than just sitting and being still? Absolutely. And the beautiful thing about the breath is that we can really access it in almost every pose, which is incredible. My favorite ones to cue the breath in are ones that really open the rib cage. And a lot of these opening poses can provide a lot of release for students. So I'm encouraging them to bring the oxygen and nutrient into the corners of the body whenever we reach those really, really deep poses like lizard lunge or bound angle or really anything in the hips um, is very, very important to get the breath work going. So I always encourage them to kind of close their, close their eyes and really focus on the breathing and making sure that we're getting the deepest and most comfortable stretch that we can out of every single pose. It's wonderful whenever you have a student in your class that come up, comes up to you afterwards and they were like, I really appreciate that you had asked me to take a moment, quiet moment to myself to just kind of turn inwards. And it's amazing what these students will experience whenever they're stretching out those very tight spaces of their body. Sometimes they have um, a lot of emotions come up. It can be very emotional whenever you're getting into a part of your body that hasn't had a lot of love for a long time. Or um, it's very important whenever you have um, students in your class that have experienced trauma, um, that when they get into those very vulnerable poses, that you're very gentle with them and there to take care of whatever they need. Um, I've had <clears throat> students in my classes before that have experienced kind of like an emotional overload from practicing hip openers and things like that. So they'll just settle down in child's pose. I'll bring them a little blanket and they kind of settle down for a little bit and they rejoin us and practice whenever they're ready. So it's incredibly important to be aware of the different things that can arise from sending the breath to all of these different places of the body that we haven't spent a lot of time stretching out or paying attention to in our busy lives. And sometimes things can just compound. And as humans, it's really important for us to be able to let that go. Thank you so much for sharing all of that, Marissa. Absolutely. Yes. So I think, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No worries. It's, it's just one of my favorite things to be able to share with students. I think it's just incredible the amount of the, the different things that you can experience whenever you actually emphasize the breath and um, use that to drive the practice rather than the asana. Most definitely. And you can always use more breath technique and breath um, breath reminders and um, during your practice and it will always improve your practice and you can always go back to the foundation too and just kind of sit with your breath if 
it's becoming too much with the movement and the breath and the thoughts that might be going on. So um, it's been really great to hear about all of the background that you know about breath and how you like to incorporate it into your classes. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful because the, the most wonderful thing about all of it is that whenever people will tell you or ask you about, um, how to start doing yoga. And, uh, one of the most common things that I hear from people is, Oh, I can't practice yoga because I'm not flexible enough, or I don't have that range of motion. And with all of these different limbs of yoga, it's wonderful how many different ways that you can practice yoga, not even pertaining to the physical practice. So asana is, uh, you know, arguably a smaller part of the yoga practice, according to the eight limbs of yoga, since it's only one of the eight which is a really, really wonderful thing uh, whenever you open people up to that possibility that yoga just isn't this practice on your mat. Um, It's a large part of it, and it really helps bring all of these different limbs together, but you can deconstruct it and take all of these different lessons from yoga and apply it to your life in different ways. That's so beautiful. Thank you. I love that reminder. And is there anything else that you'd like to share about um, about your practice or just about anything? Um, yeah, my personal practice, uh, after I graduated yoga teacher training, I was really, really excited about sharing this practice with the world. And um, it's actually been a little bit of a wake up call to kind of come back to my own practice and go over these limbs myself and make sure that I know what I need to do to further my own practice. Um, When you're formulating all of these flows to show with other people, sometimes it's difficult to get on your own mat and practice your meditation and your breathing practice and just come back to square one. And whenever we have that tendency to come back to our mat and become students ourselves, I think we become better teachers whenever we do that. So it's incredible whenever you come back to that square one and just sit down Um, and focus on your own practice, how much you can end up giving to your students because you've nourished yourself. So it's a wonderful reminder to take a step back and practice on ourselves so that we can offer our students everything that we can. And the more that we reach out and learn and keep practicing and learning from other teachers and go to different classes that are different styles that we normally wouldn't practice that are maybe a little bit different from something that we would normally do. It really just adds to that richness and that variety that we can provide the students on the mat, which is just absolutely beautiful to me. So I always tell my students that if you're breathing, you're practicing yoga right, because that's one of their own limbs. And It's a beautiful thing to apply to the yoga practice and breathing is one of the most important things when it comes to that. And if anybody would like to come visit one of your classes or look into hiring you as a yoga teacher, um, where are you currently teaching and um, what classes or what groups are you currently targeting? 
Uh, right now, I'm currently teaching for Summit, and I also teach um, privately for companies or anyone that would like to further their yoga practice. Um, I can travel around and meet people, so I'm kind of all over the place. Um, my regular classes at Summit are normally targeted towards the climbing community. We do have um, a very, very large climber base, so we have a lot of tight shoulders and people that are looking to work the core and um, I make them do quite a bit of leg strengtheners because I find that with the climbing community we have all this upper body strength and sometimes even within the yogi community you can find that that really really solid upper body and then sometimes the lower body doesn't really um, have that that same muscle power so I make them do quite a few squats shoulder openers and leg strengtheners so I make them do quite a bit of muscle work which is wonderful so if you're looking for a little bit of a workout summit is absolutely perfect for what you're looking for um, as far as my private lessons I teach privately for a PR company um, and my students there do spend quite a few hours at um, their desk on their computer um, doing deals and communicating with different companies. So a lot of the classes that I teach for them are quite different. They're more uh, slow flow. They're a little bit more um, yin centered. So we do a lot of hip openers, wrist strengtheners, because they're using their hands every day to type and write down notes and a lot of twists, because I think that that's really de detoxifying for the body, you know? Uh, so it's a wonderful way to kind of contrast the way that I teach. I go from teaching these really, really powerful core classes to these really stretchy, nice breath centered yin classes. Um, so with both of these different types that I regularly teach, I normally try to emphasize mobility, breath work, and alignment whenever we get into our practice. And that's always a way to bring my students kind of back to their mat and focusing on their body and, hey, where's my arm in relation to my leg? And am I breathing? So it's, it's a wonderful way to kind of um, get them to focus on themselves whenever they're practicing. So I'm always around and I love uh, doing free yoga classes as well. So if people have a park they want to meet up at, I'm game for pretty much anything. Perfect. And where can people find you on social media? On social media, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I am at Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-S-A, -S -S -A, Asana, A-S-A-N-A. -A. So we've got a double A in there. Uh, same thing on Twitter uh, is at Marissa Asana. And uh, Tumblr, we have uh, Marissa Asana with just one A, uh, .tumblr.com. So I'm on there. Uh, I post a lot of information in regards to um, yoga and dietary health and uh, things that you can do around the DFW Metroplex or do in your own life to feel a little bit healthier just by eating the right things and practicing a little bit of yoga. It's wonderful what we can do to make our bodies incredibly healthy.
Thank you for listening to the Beam Yoga podcast. This podcast is for both yogis and non-yogis alike. Whatever stage of the journey that you're in, I hope that you can take bits of this podcast back into your class, back into your practice, or back into your day-to-day life. Until next time.